Now, here's your host of Sound Off, Brad Bennett. Well, good morning, hour number two here on a Wednesday morning. And of course, being Wednesday, this is the day of the month, the last Wednesday of the month that we bring Peter Wood uh, in. And uh, and sometimes he brings that national publicity guy that goes on things like Sean Hannity with him. I don't know. You got him with you today? Uh, no, Scott is not here today this time. But what's maybe, he, what, he's, he's he out another, signing autographs? He's out what? signing autographs. He's busy with doing the suntanning, making sure it's applied properly to lotion like I always tease him about. <laughs> <laughs> he's out having fun. No, no. Uh, this time I brought in a, a friend, fellow logger from Iron River, Wisconsin. Yeah. His name is Mike Seneco. He's a second-generation logger. He's been doing it his whole life, and he's he's got a few okay, stories, let me make too. Sure I, let me make sure I get the name right now. Santico? Uh, it's close, isn't it? It's Santico. Yeah. Yeah, it's San- actually... Go ahead, Mike. Santico. Santico. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, good. Welcome, Mike. Thanks for coming to the show this morning. Thank you. Well, you're from Iron River, huh? Yeah. Well, I wonder if he knows knows George from Iron River, Brad. <laughs> he probably does. George, uh, you, he, uh, well, in fact, I don't remember George's last name, Mike, but George is somewhat involved in the logging industry. I think he cuts firewood and oh. sells it to people. Oh, yeah. He probably. No, no okay. I don't know George. Okay. Mike, 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 uh, Mike's just a hair nervous, but I told him, I said, there's only three of us here, and then Brad's on the other end of the phone. There's nobody else listening, so don't worry about it. Everything's cool here, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a couple of guys chit-chatting here a little bit. but Well, that that's the thing, and and Peter has done this now long enough, Mike, that he he's given you good information. Just just pretend it's like the three of us just talking, uh, you know, like we're sitting down having a cup of coffee. Don't even yeah. pay attention to the fact that there might be somebody listening on the radio so just see, see brad I, I wanted to add here too is that mike brought some tools that he used to use in logging 30 plus years ago oh uh, and some of these uh, implements look like something you might want to take with you if you're drinking in a bar downtown on east first street i don't know but uh what are they mike a peeler and then what's that yeah, other tool? yeah they're they're peeling irons and then uh the other one is uh, uh called a fin hook a and, fin uh, hook yeah now, yeah. what is that? Uh, the fin, fin hook was used to, to lift the logs. Uh, okay. The peeling iron is used to, to, to peel the trees. Now, does the fin hook look similar to like a meat hook like we used to have? The, no. With a wood no. handle? No? No, okay. it's got a handle on it, and, and uh, it's got like a, uh, if you use your, uh, eye, your eye finger and your middle finger, then it, and your thumb is the jaw. Yeah. Uh, the okay. bottom jaw would go into the log, and then you would lift on it. And uh, that's how we lifted the logs. Now, b- believe it or not, and Peter can tell you this, uh, I did work two summers uh, in high school in the woods with my uncle who had a logging operation up by Brookston. And that was one of my jobs was I would stand on the truck as we would bring the wood out of the woods. We would uh, drive the truck along. One of the guys would throw the log up on the truck and I would hit it with a it was like a pickaxe, oh, yeah, but it had like a spike on the end, a pickaroon, yep, and yep. then pull the log up onto the onto the truck bed. Yes, yeah, we use them too. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Pickaroons are kind of a thing of the past a little bit, but they yeah. still have a few once in a while around a little bit. 
Yeah. The spin hook was used when Mike and his family used to peel popple back in the 60s and 70s. It faded out in the 70s, pretty much, because the mills okay. want the bark on it now. But back then, they would work from about, what, middle of May, Mike, or so? Yeah, about the middle of May. And then we, we'd peel for about a month and a half, roughly. When the bark would start so, to fall off, could be yeah, tough to get off. Yeah, the bark would start to stick, and that's when we were all done. Yep. You know, okay. And these were the tools that were used to do that, and they look mm-hmm. really primitive when you look at them, but they were effective. There were people that designed these things to make their life a little bit easier, and that's why ingenuity keeps coming along more and more, that you you, you want to have creature comforts. Now, the thing to peel the bark off, what what is that called again? That, that's a peeling spud. Peeling spud. Does it have t- two wood handles on each no, end of it? No, no. All oh. it is is... It's basically just a, uh, a piece of iron about two inches wide, and okay. uh, it's got a handle on it and uh, like a curve on the end of it. And that curve is the when you peel the bark, when you put the, the peeling spot into the into the tree, that goes between the bark and the tree, and you just oh, you, you, know, okay. you go back and forth and take the bark off the tree. Looks kind of like you. a leaf spring off of an old that, car. That's what, that's what it is, actually. Yeah, yeah. that's what they made them out of all yeah, the time. We, we we got them. Uh, the guy made them from uh, Mason. Reuben Wickland is where we from the Iron River area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Mike, you're a second generation logger, meaning your family did it before you. Yeah, is that where you kind of learned the trade? I learned the trade from my dad. Yeah, he okay. he, he actually did it part time. Um, he worked construction, but he always worked in the woods part time, and that's where I learned it from. Is my dad. Okay. Mm-hmm. And do you do this as a full-time job then? I mean, year-round? Yes. yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, I did it uh, through school. I did okay. that how we talk, and then, and like, now we do it with the machines. But, yeah, that's... Well, I Pete, uh, maybe you, maybe I give you and Mike both a chance to talk about this, but uh, a question came up uh, this morning in the first hour when people knew you were coming in today. Uh, Don from over in Wisconsin wanted to know, is there a market for wood chips uh, in in uh, Wisconsin at all? Is there anywhere where you can, if yes. you're doing logging and you have chips, is there somewhere you where you can send them and actually get uh, some value out of them? Yeah, yeah. We haul our chips to Excel Energy, but uh, them them markets are drying up. Uh, that, are that's, they? That's biomass that we haul yeah. there. But as far as the uh, clean chip, uh, we go to Sappy. Um, so, okay. Yeah, Sappy, okay. Sappy takes clean chips and makes their product like the cellulose and mm-hmm. the paper out of it. But what this individual could be talking about is dirty chips, what we call it, in which it becomes yeah, boiler bio-mass. fuel. Biomass. Or yeah. they turn it into electricity, basically. Mm-hmm. Spin the turbines, now, create steam. Now, the bi- when when Mike says the biomass market is uh, is drying up a little bit, it, it, in Minnesota that that's the one that uh, that your friend in the logger logging business or the trucking business, uh, I think, took a exception to one of the legislators up on the range that had, uh, you know, had something to do with trying to uh, close down the bio market. Um, I think that's that's a long um, conversation, but in a <laughs> it hits a sore spot with a lot of loggers because <laughs> okay. uh, uh, basically what happened is they they no longer have to burn wood chips to create green energy, so to speak, and okay. it was changed at St. Paul. Natural. There was many things that took place that happened. Is the price of natural gas dropped really a lot, and now natural gas is really easy and cheap. 
it takes like let's say to generate let's say a generation of uh, biomass to electricity would take let's say forty guys to maintain that wood boiler and everything. And their their theory is is that natural gas the same amount only takes eleven guys. And with the price hmm. of natural gas, and then wind energy came online heavy, and the solar panels, it was like the perfect storm. Wood became very undesired to burn for electricity, financially-wise. Now, it doesn't sure. mean it's the best thing for everybody. It's just that for a short term, it may change in the future. But for right now, the biomass industry really hit the skids pretty good in the last year. Oh. Well, did, uh, Peter, did that have a did that have a negative impact on what you guys could do with chips and with leftover product that you used to have a market for? Yes, and more is left out in the woods then, instead okay. of cleaning up more. Like over in Mike, Mike is area he's still hauling to Ashland, I do believe. Yeah, XL Energy. You know, and yeah. that market is still going pretty decent. Yeah, we still late. got a good market. Yeah. 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 See, I got to move over to Wisconsin so I can get more chip market. Yeah, over yeah. There. no <laughs> kidding. Tick the loggers over in Wisconsin off, right? (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, it may be be, uh, elementary to say, but it seems to me that that would be a better market to do for biomass than it would be to burn uh, natural gas. I know natural gas is inexpensive right now, but it may not always be that way. In short term right now it is, but it could all of a sudden change. I think it's going to be a little while, but... What happens with, uh, I think, a lot of industries is you cut it out and then you ruin the infrastructure for feeding that. And then to fire up a biomass logging operation, if you have all the machines and equipment, it's fine. But if, if you have to go out and buy a new chipper and some vans and all that... It gets very expensive, and then do you trust that you're going to be doing all that? Can you trust that you're going to keep moving those chips? So it becomes very, very touchy about what to really do on it. Um, The the thing is, like these blowdown areas and situations where there's a lot of problem wood, where the fiber's all broken up, they can't use it for lumber, you can't use it for paper, those are the areas that you need the biomass to clean it up. Yeah, or dead wood. Yes, right. Dead Dead wood, wood. like over in in Wisconsin, right, Mike? Yeah, Yeah, there's a lot of of dead wood when we cut the pieces, you know, it, it really cleans them up. Well, Mike, uh, Mike, maybe uh, this question is to both you, Mike, and Peter, I guess. But when you go into an area, and if there is a lot of uh, blowdown in that area, isn't that really the only thing that you can do with that wood? You can grind it up or uh, mulch it up? No, no, a lot of the loggers, they still use the... Uh, they take round wood out of it, you know. Um, but oh, they do. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of the loggers that around our area. They still, uh, we we've had quite a bit of blowdown, you know, here in the last uh, few How, years and uh, stuff. Uh, Maybe this is not a fair question, but uh, I'm going to ask it anyway. We okay. we saw we saw recently the results of, uh, in my humble estimation, not a very good forestry management program out in California where you had uh, massive wildfires just take off and burn down entire, well, in one case, Paradise, California, the entire city just wiped yeah, out. Yeah, completely yeah that, that is something that, to me, shows what happens when you don't manage forests, when you don't yeah. manage it as a crop, and you can sit, people can sit there and be all ticked off and mad. But the truth is, if you manage your forests, you will, you will not eliminate all fires, okay? 
listeners out there, you will not eliminate all forest fires, but what you do is percentage-wise, you drop it a lot. And yeah. there's other areas that are very big concern. That's one that we know of right now. I know in Colorado, there's a major problem there that could actually wipe out way more because of what's happened with the trees out there. And you got the southeast United States where they had Hurricane, what was it, Michael? There's yeah. a tremendous amount of wood waste there. And I guess what I've always had this personal dream is to someday be able to talk to the President of the United States and tell him the issues and how these things could be maybe just headed off before they become these where people lose their lives. I mean, maybe it wouldn't have stopped the fire all the time, but what if it would have saved a lot the whole town? You can't say yeah. for sure it would, but percentage-wise, you want to eliminate it. It's kind of like... Car accidents are going to happen over and over again, but if you put the seatbelt on, you have the airbags, the chance of living are pretty good. But if you don't wear the seatbelt, you don't have the airbag, it, you get in a car accident, the chance of dying is really, really good. Well, this yeah. is the same way. If, if we eliminate the problem of the fuel load of it, maybe we could eliminate the problem. And the, the way you do it is managing the force the proper way. And well, it was interesting to both you guys. I, I want to give you a little heads up. Uh, when we were talking about that problem out in California at, at uh, Paradise, it just so happened that there was a story on, the na- on one of the wire services, a national story, about Finland and how they almost, well, they used Finland and Sweden together. Sweden has a, a lot of wildfires, evidently. Uh, But Finland has almost none. And the story explained that in Finland, they actually take the forest and they uh, they create like a a field effect. They they will section off areas of the of the natural forest and they'll build logging roads or build roads, dirt roads into all of them, section them off and then clean the brush away from the roads so that if a fire does start in one particular quadrant, for example, it can't or at least it's very easy to contain it in that quadrant. And they have the, the fire breaks and the road breaks so that it can't leap over into another section. And they said that they've been able to just about completely control the amount of wild forest fires in Finland. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we cut a lot like that ourselves. But, you know, because of the chipper, uh, we can utilize a lot of the small, you know, timber between the trees and stuff. So naturally it gets a little bit more opened up. So, sure. yeah, we, we, we open it up a lot too. Um, you know, or a lot well, of that's it, you know, good. if it's too thick like that or left or trees that other loggers can't use, you know, they get yeah. left standing. So, so like um, over in the okay. Scandinavian countries, they are mm-hmm. checkerboarding it and they're managing it very, very well. Granted, they don't have as much land there, but still they're managing what they do have. And if we did the same thing here, wouldn't we get the same results? No, I would think so. It's it's already being proven. It can be done. It can be done here. It's just that sure. you have you have to get people like governors to listen. You have to have like presidents to listen, where you can explain from our end of it what really takes place. And if we could, we will not eliminate everything. But Finland and the Scandinavian countries are proving that if you do this, this is what we have. Now you're going to have blowdowns. You're going to have troubles. But you have the infrastructure to correct it. You have the infrastructure to keep sustaining it. And we can do that here in Minnesota, Wisconsin, out west, out east, southeast, where we will not eliminate all fires, okay, folks? But what we can do is we can eliminate the percentage of people getting hurt. 
We can clean it. We can do a very good job. All we need is other like government officials on board willing to listen on it. And that's, I guess, my call out there if anybody's got the ability. It's always been kind of like a dream is to be able to talk to a president and explain this sure. is what can be done and eliminate these issues that could be happening. Because an individual always believes that, well, it doesn't happen to me. It doesn't happen. It, I don't see the smoke right. here. I don't see the problem. Well, yes, it can affect you because you could get caught. Those people in, was it, Paradise, California, they're yep. living their lives normally and everything. And now you look at those pictures, that whole city is gone. And there's probably a lot of people, remains that are burnt there. Oh, yeah. There, and, are, there are, without a question of a doubt. And did it really have to be, could it have been avoided? Well, that's what they're discussing right now out there, and there's alternatives. But listen, we've got to take our break here. Uh, think about this while we're gone. Maybe we can talk a little bit from both your perspective, Wisconsin and Minnesota. When we come back, let's talk a little bit about what are the biggest obstacles to to being a logger in your specific areas now when we come back, okay? So we're going to take a break. We'll come back with more with uh, Pete Woods and with Mike, and I'm going to try to pronounce it again, Santico. Yep, Santico. Santico yep. All right, and we'll, we'll be right back. Did you miss Brad this morning? Catch Sound Off on your schedule. Download the podcast today at 710WDSM.com. Giant Redwood, Larch, the fur, the mighty Scotch pine, the smell of fresh-cut timber, the crash of mighty trees. With my best girl by my side, we'd sing, sing, sing. I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. I sleep all night and I work all day. He's a lumberjack and he's okay. He sleeps all night and he works all day. I cut down trees, I eat my lunch, I go to the laboratory. On Wednesday I'll go shopping and have buttered scones for tea. <laughs> he cuts down trees, eats his lunch. I live for that piece every every month, Kenny. I just... <laughs> I just sit here and laugh. I'm grinning every time I hear it. I just can't help it. It's like, it's been home many times, and I still well, laugh. It's, it's Monty Python. You can't help but laugh and smile. Sure. Yeah, that's sure. for sure. But I was talking to Pete and Mike uh, during the break, and I asked him, is there a difference between Mike logging in Wisconsin and Pete logging in northeastern Minnesota? I'll, I'll start with just a little bit. Yeah. Is is yeah. Um, The terrain may be a little bit different. You know, like where we have certain trees, they have aspen, we have aspen. We don't have no oak where we're at, really, but he has oak. But okay. there's there's differences, but there's so much similarity, it's unreal when we talk. Because back when we first met was back in the early 80s at the little yeah. mill called Superior Fiber. Remember yeah. that, Mike? Yep, yep. And uh, the, pub, the log trucks would line up, and they wouldn't open until 7 o'clock or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, the Wisconsin guys would come from, like, the, the, the Ashland way. Right. And the Minnesota guys would come from the Duluth way. And you'd kind of come, and they'd funnel into one entrance, and everybody would get out and start talking a little bit. And yeah. you could tell the guys that uh, you'd have to have boots on to listen to them more. <laughs> <laughs> and there's other people. <laughs> like Mike, he, he told it the way it was all the time, and we hit it off, and we you lose contact some of the time, and then you see him again somewhere else and you talk again but how about over there in uh, wisconsin like a lot of more oak and yeah I, I think we got a little bit hillier ground and bit. yeah and, and we got i think we got a little bit more sand sand I think that's where you, where the oak comes you know but if you get up by ely you get more rock yeah yeah but uh we don't have that around home like no, that no and but, we don't we don't have much rock 
But it's it's uh, it's and then your oak is scrubbier, but you get some nice olives. Well, not all of it. You know, we have some nice oak tool. Okay. But, uh, yeah, a lot of it is scrubbier. Yeah. yeah. Now the the market, Mike, for oak is is that more the furniture building area or is yeah. there wood products? Yeah, there is. You know, we have sawmills that take it. Um, okay. And we also do um, mat logs. We, we've been that, that's been a market for us in Ashland. Uh, you know, it's uh, eighteen foot. Uh, it has to be a little bit nicer oak. But yeah, we do have some markets for that. And and like the scrubbier stuff, you know, we chip it for biomass. But uh-huh. no, like okay. the mat oaks, you know, explain mm. a little bit more what those are used for. There, Mike. Uh, there, a lot of the matting for like the pipelines and. And, you know, that kind, um, we actually use them in the woods, too, you know, for mm-hmm. crossing wet areas, you know, and that's what it, you know, it's for is okay. to, to hold you up in the in the wet ground. But So like a pipeline, so, if they're going across a big swamp or something, they're going to use these mats, and they'll have thousands yeah, and thousands right. of them. They're about 10 inches thick and probably about 4 feet wide and yep, 18, yep. 16 feet long. Yeah. And wow. they float. You yep. basically float on okay. stuff. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. So, how about how about as far as markets uh, for your product? Are the markets about the same in Wisconsin? And you know, I'm I'm sure you're not restricted by the border. If you cut logs in Minnesota, you can probably haul them to a mill in Wisconsin and vice versa, right? Well, I think for like what I'm doing, you know, comparing to Peter, I think my markets are a little bit better because of the biomass. Um, okay. I know you, Peter. You're having a little problems with the with, yeah. the, with the biomass part. I'm starting of it, to but, feel sad now. <laughs> yeah, but for me, I, I think it's yeah, a little bit no, better not. for me because of because of that. But yeah. but uh, we kind of haul to the same places, you know, like well, uh, around wood and stuff, you yeah. know. Yeah, we both and, haul yeah. like sappy in that. Yeah. Yes. Pete, I think Scott Dane made a very good point for that with his commercials before the election too. Was that uh, that cut in the the lack of the bio markets? really cut into the logging industry in northern Minnesota quite a bit. Yeah, it affected the heavier north of me a bit more, but it did affect us greatly as well. And what happens, it, when you have a market that kind of closes, it ripples out quite a ways. It doesn't just affect them. Now those loggers branch into other areas. Like over on Mike's side of it, he still has Ashland consuming the biomass, but you cannot live on just biomass. You have to have wide ranges of mil- markets, and he also hauls heavy to sappy. And do you haul? Is there another mill somewhere else down there? Because I, I don't haul yeah, to Wisconsin yeah, at all. Well, for like Popple, there'd be LP, uh, Johnson Timber. Um, you know, for taking Aspen in the Hayward and Howard, area, you know, isn't for, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then there's another one, I think, in Park Falls. There's yep. another mill there. Yep, flamble paper. Then you have, where did you who used to haul, you remember you used to haul your uh, peeled wood. Where did that go? Somewhere in Southern or You know, I never, I never hauled it. You know, I, we, we always hired, you know, well, we work for uh, an outfit where they'd, they'd hire the, the trucking. Yeah. That's something interesting. He was oh, telling yeah, me this okay. before, too. That I'd like to have Mike, if it's all right, is have Mike talk about when he started. He started, what, at 13 or something like that, remember? Yeah, I, I started at, at 12 with my dad. You know, I helped my dad, and, and as time went on, you know, I, um, you know, I started doing more myself, you know, and by the time I was 15, um, you know, I was already doing them jobs myself. And where we'd work for is, is uh, Isaacson Lumber Company out of Herbster, Wisconsin. And, uh, oh, sure. Yeah, we'd get those pieces, and, and that's what we do. We'd cut and peel that wood, and, and then, uh, 
you know that was their job then uh, come and get it and haul it so yeah he went he were he went to high school or what was it to, where did you go to high school at uh, South Shore and so in he, Fort Wayne. he okay okay so picture this in the springtime he'd start riding his motorcycle was it the sod or what was yeah, that? Yeah, no, we, you know, peeling season would start, you know, probably in the middle of May and school would go to like the, the end of May, you know. So there was like a couple of weeks that we'd, you know, we'd already be peeling, you know, uh, while we're going to school. So, yeah, I would I would ride my motorcycle and go from there to the woods. You know, Imagine after, that, after a kid in Duluth riding a motorcycle with a chainsaw um, strapped to yeah. it, going to school. Yeah. In May. I no, think there no are people have no, no license or nothing. <laughs> yeah. And so I yeah. said, I don't know if I can say that right. I said, are you ever going to run for political office? He says, no. I said, don't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I've exactly. never had a motorcycle license. <laughs> well, listen, you two guys, we have got to take our Fox News break here, but uh, we're going to come back and talk a little bit more. I'm, I'm really interested to ask both you about what you think about the future of logging in northern Minnesota and Wisconsin. So think about that a little bit. We're going to take our Fox News break and we'll be right back. More of Sound Off is on the way. Coming up at 11, it's your daily fix of Rush. 710 and FM 98.1 WDSM. Updates brought to you by Lady O'Collins Emporium, 31 West Superior Street, a place of magic in downtown Duluth. 722-2240. That's Lady O'Collins Emporium. AM 710 and now on FM at 98.1. WDSM time. We are at 937, and that's Woody Herman, Woodchopper's Ball. And Brad, I just found out that loggers, they don't care too much about snow. They want cold temps. So we you want just cold. Yeah, we don't cold. want the snow. Oh, yeah. 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 The snowmillers want the snow. Why? Well, you know why they want cold. I can even tell you that. They want because then the peat bogs and the swamps freeze up and they can drive their trucks right across exactly and pick up exactly right. right you got it brad we want to cross the swamps we want to cross the hard ground we, we had a couple of uh, callers call and and i'll quickly run through this uh the cost of a logger's cord of mixed hardwood go ahead mike um yeah around our area it's probably like a, i would think 90 to 100 dollars a cord i don't do it myself okay. a lot anymore i All used right. to okay so 90 to 100 I, I would yeah. say around there it's next, a good ballpark next question was can a a person cut wood that's fallen on public land in the city of Duluth. Not unless you get the proper permit. Because yeah. that's still so that, even that tree city down. Hall is, you'd have to. Okay. It depends on where it is. You got you got your St. Louis County. You got Douglas County. You have City of Duluth. You have the City Superior. If it's down in the city limits, you have to go through the proper officials. Because I don't know what the city law is, but remember, you don't own that tree, even if it is down. It's still owned yeah. by the ownership of whoever owns the land or controls it at the time. So real simple, easy. You got to yeah. go through the proper authorities. That's what we do all the time. And if well, you cross and, the line, Peter, Peter, I'm glad you brought that up because that's been a bugaboo of mine for a long time. When I in in the spring, when I come back north and I and I uh, drive up along Piedmont Avenue or along Skyline Boulevard, and I see all of these trees down because the foliage hasn't come out on the on the uh, hillside yet, and you see all of these trees down, it looks terrible, and you think. 
man, wouldn't it be great if people could just get out there and cut those up and haul off their own firewood? It, well, it, you got issues with boars, you got issues with uh, infestations, but mainly you got what you talked about, and that's who owns the right to that wood. Yeah, you have to be. You have to find out who does. And then another thing is if you're not really trained in it and knowing what to do you can get people hurt really easy fast and those trees they can be spring loaded and not know it and you don't know what you're looking at and all of a sudden you got somebody going to the hospital or to the morgue and so there's a lot of things that come into play that a person really gets comes to our minds really quick exactly and mike you've seen it too haven't you oh yeah you know well for both you guys uh another one of our listeners sent me a question he was a trucker himself, and he said, do either of you offload onto rail cars, or are all of your locations that you bring the wood close enough that you just haul it by truck? Yeah, no, I, I don't anyway. You know, any round wood that we do, they unload us when we go to the mill. Um, okay. You know, some of the smaller sawmills and stuff, we uh, we used to have our own loader on the truck, then, you know, we'd unload it. But uh, most sure. of the places I haul, they unload you. The, the okay. rail, rail sidings used to be really heavily used back and probably up to the, about the 70s somewhere, and they kind of phased out slowly. That's why a lot of these old railroad grades are abandoned, and they're now four-wheeler trails and that. But uh, guys run around with a lot of center mounts. They, they load themselves out in the woods, but they take it to the mill. And most of the time, most mills, they are very strict that you do not unload yourself. There's some that allow it, but a lot of mills, you do not unload yourself. The, the, the company cranes unload you there. And sure. it's and it's For strictly liability. liability. You don't yeah. want to be getting hurt, you know. Okay. So, All right. But as far as rail sightings, that's kind of the thing of the past. Uh, sometimes I think it would work still really good, you know. You get, uh, but I don't see it happening for a long time yet, you know. Ever if it ever comes back that way, because the yeah. trucks are so much yeah. more power. You can haul good sized loads. And you can be to the mill. Usually, you don't want to what, Mike? Maybe two hour run. You don't want to get yeah, beyond yeah, that. Yeah, we we keep our hauls short. You know, we're okay. usually between that forty and sixty miles. Yeah. Well, guys, uh, we are a commercial radio station, which means uh, we live on the commercials that we <laughs> we get. So I'm going to ask you both to hang on for a moment sure. while we talk to our good friend Matt Boo, who kind of ties into your uh, business a little bit. Uh, uh, Matt is with Duluth Stove and Fireplace. And, of course, fireplaces burn a lot of wood. Uh, Matt, good morning to you. We always like to fit you into the segment segment because it seems kind of appropriate. Yeah, yeah. Good morning, Brad and Pete. How are you guys doing? We're doing well. So, you know, uh, uh, Mike and and, uh, Pete were both just saying that in the logging business, they love it when it gets really cold because then they can go across peat bogs and into areas where they maybe couldn't log when when it's wet. Uh, But you you like it, uh, Matt, when it's cold because... Boy, people all of a sudden really understand that they might need a, uh, a, a secondary heating unit, something to warm the house a little. Yeah, and that's, uh, I guess we're not coming into it. We're into it now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think you are. We've been with temperatures. For months, but we're coming oh, into it. Man. But, uh, we're here. We're here now, and and uh, the, the traffic has been brisk, and we're, like I said, we've been doing installs every day so it's moving along nicely now do your guys your installers do they mind working outside when it gets cold like this or is that just part of their day-to-day routine 
Well, you know, we we suit them up with some uh, car hearts that we get from our good friends down there at Marine General. Oh, and, sure. Uh, sure. So just like you know, in the military, it, the winter operations always a little more time. So we yeah. just allow a little bit more time for that type of stuff, and then you know, the installs in the winter, and and we get it done, and they they don't gripe. So well. Well, Matt, talk uh, talk a little bit about the variety of units that you have. I know when you go into your showroom, first of all, uh, uh, Duluth Stove and Fireplace is located at, uh, what is it, 27th Avenue West in Michigan, right on the corner there? Right on the corner, correct, next to yep. the Duluth Grill. So when you walk in the front door there, you're going to see uh, uh, actually two corridors. You can walk down a corridor to your left, walk down the corridor to your right. You're going to see um, anywhere from 20 to maybe 30 different varieties of, of uh, burning units on display. Everything from what? Uh, gas inserts to uh, pellets to wood to everything in between, huh? Right, and uh, we got one side is is kind of dedicated to the built-in gas fireplaces, and then uh, at the back of that row, we've got the high-efficiency wood fireplaces, and then on the other side, we we look at uh, we've got six or eight uh, different gas inserts, and a few different wood inserts, and then we we got a ton of wood stoves all throughout the store. So. Uh, okay. A lot to look at, and, and about 30 of them are actually active displays, so they're burning whatever fuel we got uh, hooked up to them. Well, so if you're listening this morning, and we hope you are, of course, we, uh, and you've been hearing us talk to Matt uh, for many, many months now, uh, it is really that time of year, folks, when you can still get a unit for most of the heating season available. It it may take you a month or two by the time you get in, select the unit you want. They may have to order uh, the manufacturer to get you the unit you want. And then it takes a little bit of time, uh, uh, Duluth Stove and Fireplace, will come out, make a home inspection, make sure that you're uh, that there's no uh, obstructions to uh, where you want the unit installed, and then they set the process in motion. So it, it it's a little bit of uh, it, it may take you more than a day or two to get it in, but once it's in, you are going to be so comfortable and so available. And the, the thing that I really like, Matt, is. When you've got a, uh, let's say, a gas stove, a gas insert, uh, and you get one of these cold mornings where, boy, we know living in northern Minnesota, the temperature is always colder between like 5 and 7 than it is the rest of the night for some reason. It just seems like it sets in about that time of the morning. You get up, you turn that thermostat, crank that gas fireplace up, and it will take the nip out of the air before your forced air unit really has to do too much work. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And, and you and I both know that nautical twilight is the coldest <laughs> coldest time yep. of the day. <laughs> yep, it really is. <laughs> so, uh, Absolutely. Yeah, well, I'll tell exactly you what... what now, let me ask you the question, and I hadn't asked you this before, Matt, but if if a, if a guy is thinking, uh, you know, my wife's been talking about a fireplace for so long, and we're, you know, Christmas is coming up. Do you get people that come in that want to buy a, 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 let's say, a gift certificate to be able to stick in the stocking stuffer or something, courtesy of one one fireplace or something like that? Oh, yeah. You know, no, that's great. We do that. And 
because you know, we're you know right now we we would not be able to get anything in before Christmas other than the something sure. scheduled right now. Uh, right. But we have on occasion have a, a customer come in and buy a remote control and they wrap that up and put it underneath the tree so the spouse opens it up and there's a remote control and that's for a future fireplace and that, that I love that a few times yeah yeah okay. Uh, all right. Well, good. Well, again, uh, we're talking to Matt Boo, Duluth Stove and Fireplace, and you're located the corner of 27th Avenue West and Michigan, uh, right on the corner next to the Duluth Grill. Uh, not only fireplaces, folks, that's their main function, but they do saunas. Uh, they have axes to split wood if you want to do some of that yourself, and they got a lot of other beautiful things in their store there. So, Matt, what hours are you available for people to come and take a look at what you got? Uh, Monday through Friday, we're 8 to 6, Saturday 9 to 4. Our phone number is 727-9002, and, of course, BlueStove.com. Excellent. All right, Matt, thank you very much. Uh, Happy holidays to you, and I'm sure you're going to be putting up that hat and glove tree before long if it's not already up. Right. I was just going to mention that uh, that notice went out, so we're collecting the hats and gloves, and uh, people can just drop them off anytime. So. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Matt has been helping the uh, VFW Christmas dinner. We uh, feed anybody that needs a good warm meal on Christmas Eve down at the VFW, and we always try to give them uh, a pair of gloves and a hat to uh, keep them a little warm in the holiday season. Matt and the uh, Builders Trades uh, has been uh, doing this for years where they just show up out at... uh, uh, Duluth Stove and Fireplace, drop off hats and gloves, and once a year we turn them over to the VFW. They uh, many times will wrap them and prepare them for the people. So thank you, Matt, very much. No, absolutely. Now, back, better coordinated now. <laughs> you bet. <laughs> All right. <laughs> thank you much. <laughs> okay, so back to uh, Pete and, and Mike in the studio. Uh, we talked a little bit. What... Now, Mike, I don't know. Do you have any kids involved in the program? Are you? Uh, yes, do you have I any? do. I, my, my, oh, you do. Okay, yeah, good. My, my son helps me. Yeah. Excellent. And so my daughter. Well, he helps uh, you more than just yeah, helps he, you he's here. He's a full-time worker. Uh, my, okay. my daughter helps me with uh, part of the wood our bookwork tool. All right. Yeah. So, and and Pete, how about you? Do you have any of your kids involved? Uh, yeah, my son, he's actually working for me full-time, actually, now. Uh, okay. I try to encourage him to do the college and play baseball and that at uh, college level, but he said he wanted, pretty much didn't want nothing to do with it because he went two wow. years a PSEO student at UMD full-time. Instead of going to high school his last two years, he went two years full-time to UMD as a junior and senior in high school. And he got the college experience a little bit, and he just loves motorhead work in the woods. He's actually out there right now. When I get back out there, we're going to start throwing wood on again. (laughs) And then my daughter's only 15. She's still in high school, so she's got a little more deciding to do. But then my wife is an accountant by trade. She does the books for us. Sure. And I'd be really lost without her. But it's 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 a family business like Mike over there. Yeah, he started yeah. real heavy at like sixteen, fifteen or right, so, remember? Yeah, going and, high school, yep. yeah. and you yep. just keep working your way and then you go from that to like instead of peeling with the thing with the peelers, then you go to like the cable skitters, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, we had uh, you know, as you you know, I'm living at home, you know, when you're fifteen, sixteen you don't got no expenses, you know. So naturally when you oh, get, yeah. get out on your own you gotta be a little bit more productive and being more productive you have to have, you know, a little bit better machinery and stuff so uh you know we have well guys it uh it sounds like the logging industry is in good hands and that you'll both be in that business for years to come with your families 
Uh, I want to thank both of you for uh, coming in this morning. Uh, uh, Pete, we have uh, really found this to be a uh, a well-listened-to segment every month. We love having you come in the last Wednesday. Remind our listeners that every last Wednesday of the month, 9 o'clock hour, uh, Pete comes in many times. uh, He'll bring his sidekick, uh, Scott Dane, with him. But uh, we want to thank you and Mike for being in with us this morning on Sound Off Mm -hmm. and uh, invite you all. If you have questions about the logging industry, feel free to send them to us anytime, and we will hold them and uh, bring them up to Pete when he comes in for his segment. So, guys, we have to take our Wisconsin uh, news break. And uh, but I want to thank you both for coming in and, and okay. giving us a little bit of history. Yeah. Thank you very yeah. much for having us in. We really yeah, do appreciate it. All right. Thanks, yeah. guys. Kenny, let's do uh, the Wisconsin news and then we'll come back and wrap up our number two. 710 WDSM is now broadcasting on 98.1.